Welcome to episode six of The Golf Guy, a pre-master's pod with top 100 teacher Brady Riggs. In addition to talking about the Masters, we cover a few other recent developments in golf and um, a few more general points about uh, the women's game and and the LPGA Tour uh, as well. So I hope you enjoy it. Coming up, Brady Riggs on The Golf Guy. Okay, folks, welcome to another edition of The Golf Guy, a pre-master's pod, um, just in time as we're taping this Wednesday evening before the first round. And I am honored, as always, to have my buddy Brady Riggs. He is, um, you know, hanging his hat at Walleye most days these uh, these days, but he is back in L.A. for a little bit. And so we've got him uh, in our time zone. And going to chat a little bit about the Masters pod and a few other things. Brady and I haven't caught up on stuff since um, our long discussion about Patrick Reed mm-hmm. at Tory Pines and Rules. So we've had a few things happen in the golf world since then. And um, But let's maybe start with a topic we've talked about before, which is Jordan Spieth. And, um, you know, he is uh, well chronicled that, you know, pretty, uh, not in the winner's circle until last week since the British Open, slipped down in the rankings, you know, lots of people as is, you know, from the Brandel Chamblees of the world to other folks, you know, questioning him and everything. And um, and I know, you know, you know, Cameron, his, his teacher a little bit. And, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, from, I'm curious your thoughts. I will just say for as an, as an outsider, which is who I am, Looking at it, I mean, the way he's handled the last three years vis-a-vis the press, I mean, that has got to be wearing beyond belief for everyone saying, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? And and we've seen over the decades, really, the pressure that people like him who are high up and are in a slump, got to change it, got to change it. It's all this pressure, got to change And I just respect two things, the, the demeanor and the way he's dealt with it and the, the fact that he said, you know, I got the right team, you know, they know me and I'm, I'm staying with it. And um, so I like him anyways, but particularly because of those qualities, I was really happy to see him, um, you know, seemingly get back. And, and it hasn't been just last week. And obviously he's played well for a month or two, but to finally get back in the winner's circle. But, but since you know the, you know, Cameron, the situation, curious how you, you view it. Well, I feel like we were just doing a master's pod by the way we were right that's true too <laughs> didn't we just do this a, a week or two ago it feels yeah, we, like we, it seems like it was a little farther than we go but it, it was certainly not a year ago right we no, had the fall edition so now we we're back on the right calendar at least thank goodness um you know i think you know that i've actually been a pretty staunch defender of him staying with cameron um right i was never a guy that said he should change so i, I want to make sure everybody knows that i'm not just yeah he was right to stay with him all along because even in the dark times, I said that I think he should. Um, I, I think there's nobody that moves the needle better right now in professional golf than, than Jordan Spieth. I mean, Tiger notwithstanding, um, Jordan's, I think a lot of people root for Jordan. I don't know how you couldn't root for Jordan. I mean, he's such a, such a, he's, he's a very human everyday kind of guy on the course, right? Like he's, his emotions Absolutely. are on his sleeve. I think, I think he's just very genuine and real to watch and it's hard not to hope he's going to play well. And I think we've all watched him struggle for months and months and years at this point. And to come back is just so awesome for him and so excited for him to win. 
But was, didn't you think his reaction was kind of interesting after he won? I thought it was fascinating. It was. Well, I, I thought the whole thing was fascinating. I, I have to tell you, I was fascinated that he had a three wood in his hand for his second shot on 18. I was just, I, I mean, my eyes are I'm just looking at this. And, you know, as, as is often the case when they televise him, um, he is such a commentator himself. Mm-hmm. And with the boon mics and everything, you know, they, we can hear anything anywhere now. And with him and Greller, going over it, I'm thinking, holy cow, what was interesting to me is, so, you know, Nicholas is a pretty avid guy on Instagram or his, his staff is. And when he congratulated him, I saw the next day, he said, Jordan, when I saw that three wood in your hand, that get it out of his hand, um, which is kind of the reaction I had too. It was just, it was just really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, um, I thought his reaction afterwards was interesting as well. I agree. I think he had that, I mean, he expects to be there, right? This yeah. isn't a place he was like never thinking he was ever going to get to again. I'm sure there's dark times. You know, we've all been through them as players and coaches. We've had our players go through dark times. So, right, right. But the fact that when he did it, he wasn't overly emotional. He wasn't. No, very calm. You know, right. he, he, he definitely, that's that old thing. You act like you've been there before. Well, he has been there before. And he right. certainly does expect to be there again. And I thought his whole, I, I can't imagine a guy handling this whole situation better than he has. He's been right. handling it with tremendous class. He has not lost it at some point along the way, which anyone would have probably given him pass on, on the occasional, you know, blow up from just being frustrated on the golf course. But I, I mean, how can I not root for Jordan Spieth? I mean, I think, I think he's, uh, he's really good for teachers really good for teachers like every time you hear him talk about my team my team you know we play we had a good week you know as a coach like i don't know if i've shared this with you but i will like i teach these pga education classes uh for people going through the program to become pga members i do the teaching portion of it and i always tell them if you're not a jordan spieth fan you should be because he does a lot for teachers every time he talks about the team and the we and how he gives credit to his instructors, that's good for all of us. And I tell yeah. them the opposite is true with Bubba Watson because Bubba's me, 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 and I've never had a lesson in my life and aren't I fantastic? So, right. you know, just for those two reasons alone, there's many more for me not to root for Bubba, but <laughs> from that reason and that standpoint, you know, I think Jordan's great. And I'm, I'm a little sort of disappointed that he won last week because he was my pick for this week. Before uh-huh. last week's tournament, I thought, wow, he's trending really good. I'd love to take him first win back would be at Augusta, sort of slaying that dragon that came out, right? But right. Right. so I, I don't know if he's as much a favorite, but the way he reacted, maybe he is. I, I don't know. I, I, I sort of think he is. Well, we'll, we will see. I mean, I just was the shots he made down the stretch. And I don't know if you saw the one on 17 and on Saturday, um, that, that flop shot he hit. Mm, um, yeah. where he blew it right of the green and they're all talking about um you know he was on a dirt path and which he ends up getting relief from but he had to drop it in some pretty muddy area mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of grass under it and you know he's got a total flop shot situation if he wants to go for the pin but you got to think god is he going to get that wedge underneath it from that lie and that's got to be you know it just seemed really hard and they were saying oh is he going to go to the left or right or and just right at it just perfect i mean that was impressive i thought well uh just in case anyone thought they were good enough 
to play on the PGA Tour. <laughs> Take note, everybody. Okay. I mean, that shot would be hard for a really good player if they were by themselves in the practice area with nobody around and had a bag full of balls, right? That was not the case for him in that moment. And there was absolutely no back off whatsoever. And I think that's, you know, what separates great players from really good players and separates PJ tour players from guys that have cups of coffee on some smaller tours. I mean, there's a lot of guys that can hit shots when it doesn't matter, but it's the guys can hit shots when it does matter. That's what separates them. And that was just shows like the, the confidence and really the, it, the enjoyment of that moment, you know, really yeah. enjoying being in a, instead of worrying about making a mistake or, you know, God, I'm embarrassed myself or something like that. It's not that it's all, man, this is fun. I'm watching me pull this one off. You know, it's like a kid, you know, who's hitting shots in front of their buddies out there. And I feel like Jordan's still that guy. And I think JT's that guy, you know, I yeah. think they play with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of fun. And man, I hope we hope everybody's watching that because Instead of beating yourself up when you hit a bad shot or being negative all day, I mean, anybody had more of a right to be negative than Jordan. I can't think of somebody, right? And, and he never right. got there. He just didn't get there. I, I think it's awesome. I'm, he's probably the, the best story in golf right now for me this year so far is to see him having success, you know? So hats off, and I'm absolutely rooting for him this week. I'm not picking him, though, but I'm rooting for him. We're going to get to your pick before we. I know you would, but I, 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 I'm with you rooting for him. Let me briefly ask you about somebody who's similar age um, and has been struggling and still is struggling, and it's noteworthy as we come up to the Masters that his major streak, which dates back um, forty some odd majors, I think, to 2010, is now broken, and that's Ricky Fowler. Somebody who was, um, I mean, obviously incredibly talented. And I had thought, and I want to think it was 2014 or so when he had those four top five finishes in the majors, you know, that he was on the cusp of really, you know, uh, kind of going next level and, and the opposite. And he's really been in a tailspin and, um, he's made some teacher changes and stuff. And, and um, I, I'm, I'm curious kind of your thoughts on, on what's going on with him. Cause it doesn't, he's not in a good place. I mean, he had a little hope with, you know, little bounce back last week in Texas. Right. So that was a little, a little bit, bit of encouraging stuff. After the but, first uh, round. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, sometimes that's what it takes with these guys. You know, they need to get one good round under the belt or a couple good rounds in a row. And then they start to believe again and the confidence comes comes back you know i it's an awfully hard thing isn't it like you get on the tour and you're this incredible i mean ted gleason who's you know really good friend of mine and former ucla player and usc head coach um great great guy in golf he told me when ricky was a junior that he was the best junior he had ever seen and Ted it's had the distinction. Just to pause yeah. on that. We were talking about someone who's at the USC program. That's saying a lot, right? Yeah, and, and, and keep in mind, too, that Ted did lose in back-to-back amateurs the, to future number one players in the world. He lost to Duvall and Tiger in back-to-back US Ams. But, which is, he, he uses a great distinction. I mean, hey, you played in two US Ams, which is great. But anyway, about, but right. Ted told me that Fowler was the best junior he'd ever seen. Said nobody ever hit it better than Ricky Fowler, including Tiger Woods. You know, it's pretty high praise, especially coming out of Southern California yep. with all the talent, right? So, you know, this is a guy that's very used to winning, very used to, to being in that space. And then 
you know, he was obviously a great college player and he came out and was really successful when he first came out and just like, it's gotten harder for him, you know, as he's moved along in his career here. And it's sometimes really tough to like, what do you do? You know, do you go back to the, to the future? You know, do you, do you become the guy that was the guy that was the best ball striker? And you look at the swing on, on who was that guy and, you know, can I, can I make that swing again? And, but then your body's changed and, you know, there's, it's just, it's a big challenge when you're in that place, you're just not comfortable and writing good shots. And as a coach, it's very challenging. You know, I, I don't, anybody that would tell you they know exactly what to do is, is lying or delusional, you know, like, do you go back to what we know had worked in the past? And we, we try and use that as a blueprint to re, to rekindle what used to be so special, or do you say you can never go back? You can only go forward. And I got to move past that guy that, that was Lydia Coe's kind of vibe towards it. She played real well last yeah, week. And, yeah, you know, so do you be, have to become a new person, a new, that was the the old one, the new ones, you know, can I have a better version of myself? And I don't think right. there's any good answers there. You know, I mean, I think you just got to go really work. And I mean, Lydia managed to get that done and she was in a pretty dark place after working with an instructor that has a reputation for occasionally having, you know, making some people worse. Um, and I think like, I think that it just comes back down. You got to work your ass off, you know, and that's where, that's where he is right now. He's going to have to really work for this and it's, he's good for the game too. I mean, how good has he handled this? Right. Like all the crap he was no, getting about no, his commercials. Totally, totally, I'll tell you what, like we, we may have a new generation, but we have some guys that, that know what they're doing and are really savvy about the, the media space. Very well-spoken. I don't know. They're, they're doing really good. I'm impressed with this group. It's, it's an impressive group of young guys and even JT, right. With the controversy that he had, yeah. he has just owned it yeah. and, and not it, made right. no apologies about it. And he's, he's been yeah. just fantastic about it. I mean, look at those three guys, right? What, yeah, what, those what phenomenal cool. representatives of the game right now do we, do we have? In totally those young guys? They're fantastic. So, I'm, I'm rooting for all of them. I think they're all great for the game and I hope Ricky can bring it back. And, you know, I don't know what the answer is, right? He was even struggling putting. The guy used to make everything. Well, I, and he was such a good putter. I mean, yeah. the putting statistics are really down for him. Yeah. It just shows like there's, you can lose confidence and start to go south and it doesn't take much. Unfortunately, when you're on the razor's edge of the highest, you know, level, best players in the world, you can't really go bad at all, you know, you're just going to get dusted. And that's sort of what's happened. And, you know, I think Ricky, Ricky's going to work hard and he'll find a way back to being who he is. I have no idea what the answer is and where to go, but I, I hope he does because I think, you know, we never had that moment with Phil and Tiger, right? It's never really had it where they were both yeah. in their prime. They're both so good. And they never had a showdown. They never, I mean, one of the things that made Jack and Arnie and, you know, that whole thing and Weisskopf with tight with, with, um, with Jack and Lee Trevino. And it was oh, those contests and Jack too. Right. And yeah, Tom Watson. Sure. I mean, we, we remember yeah. those events, those tournaments, because it was that guy and that guy, you know, and, and we didn't get Completely. that with Tiger and Phil. Right. We just never had that scenario. And I hope that it means that, you know, like the Rory, that group of guys that are that age, Rory and JT and, Ricky and Jordan, who's a little bit younger and all those guys, I hope that they are able to kind of have some of those moments, even with DeChambeau now, 
I think it'd be great for the game and it would really build, you know, a lot more interest in the sport as we move past tiger. Now that we need, you know, and they're such good guys. I think it would be great for the game if they were involved on that level. So I'm hoping they all kind of get it together and start playing well, because they're going to be really, really fun. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, at that, and that is what we remember. I mean, you know, the Turnberry showdown with Watson, I mean, I mean, obviously go back, going back further with Nicholas and Palmer and, you know, the opens and everything. And, you know, the Oakmont is for, you know, that first year in Jackson I mean, those are all just, indelible memories and and you're right and we never really never really got that with phil and tiger there was that one year in the masters where they were both playing together in the fourth round they were way behind stevie williams talks about that when he was catting for tiger then where they both went like 30 or 31 on the front nine mm-hmm. and they were both going crazy but but they weren't in the lead and they ended up not really being you know i i don't remember what year it was they ended up not contending at the end but you're right we never really certainly nothing like jack and arnie had nothing like jack and lee had nothing like jack and tom watson had nothing like that i i agree so that would be that would be great we mentioned mr woods um so one of the things that's happened since we last um Get our pod uh, uh, back uh, on Torrey Pines when the tournament was there is, of course, you know, the horrendous car crash that he had. And, um, you know, there's, he's he's in the news. He always is. Right. I mean, we're, we're at the Masters. He's not there. Um, you know, he's back home now in South Florida, hearing a lot of the or South Florida, the Jupiter is where so many touring pros live. And, you know, they talked today and yesterday about visiting him and um, hard to know what the future is going to be. And that's a pretty devastating injury, um, that it's, uh, that he sustained. And, um, you know, it's not like he was in the prime of his athletic career no. as it starts though. I mean, you know, he's healing from, you know, that's it. So I just, um, I'm, I'm curious what you think. I mean, I don't know, you know, you never say never. And, and he has such an indomitable will, but, um, It'd be interesting. I don't know that we're going to see him back the way he was. Yeah. I mean, he was not in great shape before this, right? I mean, there was, right. that was one of the things like there's the number of surgeries on his back and his knee and everything else that he right. had to do. And, you know, anybody that thinks they know what he's going to do is, you know, fantasizing right now. We have no idea what's going to happen with him. I think, you know, his, his role in the game has been changing and evolving. And it has. He, he had a lot of growing to do there. Um, yeah. Wasn't exactly maybe the ambassador to the game that we, some of us had hoped he would be, you know, yeah. he didn't owe that to anybody. Right. That's he was a great player in his own right. He doesn't he, have to you know, be he, that. He didn't, he didn't just, he didn't owe it to anyone. And maybe this is just the fortunate that golf's been fortunate, but over the years, our leading champions mm-hmm. by and large have really been great ambassadors for the game. I mean, with Jack and, and Arnie and, you know, going and so forth. And that was not, there's no doubting his stupendous talent, no doubting that Tiger's on the Mount Rushmore of golf, but he never really fit that role when he was in his prime. I agree with you. Yeah. So I think he's evolving into that and maybe Tiger can give a lot more to golf. You know, if this is the end of his playing career, you know, maybe he can give a lot to the game and, and do things that maybe were out of his comfort zone before when he was still trying to be a competitor. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you'd like to 
to in your idealistic world to think that maybe something positive can come from something so sad, you know? I mean, he has a lot of stuff he wants to do with his kids, I'm sure. And that's really the most important thing, right? That he's going to be alive and be there for his kids. And that's great. But, you know, I don't think the competitive fire ever stops burning. You know, you don't ever get to the point where that goes away. Um, I can recall a little tiger and I mean, a Jack and Johnny Miller putt that was on line, right? Where Johnny said, this putt's impossible. And Jack, of course, strolled up and knocked it in from 75 feet over two tiers. So that's how you do it. Yeah. It was actually close to a hundred feet. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that that. that so like that doesn't go away. That doesn't go away. Right. So I'm I'm hoping that maybe Tiger can 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 be that guy that maybe a statesman and you know if he can't ever play again on that level where he feels like he could be the guy that he wants to be on the golf course, maybe he can maybe he can give to the game in ways that maybe even he didn't even know, you know, because ultimately like the legacy's safe with Tiger and he's going to be like you said he's on the mountain rush more of golf i mean you're when you have a conversation of the greatest players who ever lived you would never have that conversation without talking about tiger woods you know there's going to be four guys that you're probably going to talk about right it's going to be tiger jack hogan and and bobby jones i mean that's probably going to be the group of people that you're going to say so that's not going anywhere you know but maybe he can also be a great ambassador for the game down the road and i mean we'd all like to see him come back for sure but uh, i mean that he's going to be able to walk again and hang out with his kids is probably, you know, that would be a good goal to begin with, you know, and the whole thing, well, if anybody could do it and it's like, you know, you can only overcome so much, right? Like if you, you don't have any legs left and a back that's jacked up, you, maybe you can't overcome, you know, but he's like, you said, he wasn't a young, his body wasn't even a young, whatever it is now, 45 or whatever it is. Well, yeah, they're, you're right. There's two dimensions to that. He was older and his body was older than his age yes. because of the injury. Yes. So. yes. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be, you know, I'm, we're all going to be glued because as soon as he does anything, it's going to be the biggest news in the game and maybe on all of sports. Right. So, I mean, the first press conference he gives the first time he's back in an event, the first, that's all going to be huge. And, you know, that's, that's good for golf, you know, keep some eyes on it. Games in such a great place and growing so rapidly around the country right now. So many people are playing, you know, it's a one there's, there are no silver linings to this pandemic with over a half a million people dead, but the game itself is healthy. And, you know, it's, it's a good time to be involved in the game in that way. And, you know, maybe Tiger can reach more people down the road because of what he can do off the course. I agree. Let me just actually, you bring that up just for a second, talk about that because when we talked about this previously and completely agree, no silver lining for the horrendous pandemic that we've all suffered through. And hopefully we're in the deep into the back nine, hopefully on that mm. and, and see the shadow uh, light at the end of the tunnel. But um, golf is just in this social, because it's a socially distanced type sport and it's just, yes. You and I talked about this a few times here in Southern California, both on public courses, private courses, just exploded. I mean, I know at, at Brentwood, we're on a 50,000 round a year pace as compared to probably what would have been 35,000 rounds. Um, that's a big change. Um, and, and, and I just wonder, you, do you think it's, you know, we're obviously bringing, you know, the game as a whole, bringing more people to the game playing more often however you want to play do you think that that uh, is going to have staying power beyond the pandemic 
Um, it can, you know, the thing about golf is it's really hard and a lot of people will try it and it's great to be outside and then they'll realize that it's really hard and they don't really like it because it's hard. And, you know, I think that's always been a problem, you know, and I think the teaching is better than it used to be without a doubt, you know, across the board, there's better instruction going on, but there's still a lot of instruction that is make your swing look like X, Y, Z rather than play better. And to me, like if, if it's going to have staying power, then the PGA of America needs to do a really good job of getting the word out that we can help you guys have more fun and play better, not necessarily swing better. So it's all part of the same kind of like, there's going to have to be a lot of things that, that work well in sync with each other to keep this momentum going. But I, maybe I'm just, because I'm a teacher, I feel like maybe I'm more self-important. Right. But I think that somewhere along the way, the, the job that we do is really important because if people don't enjoy golf, they're not going to play. And then they're not going to join a club and then they're not going to go buy, you know, merchandise and have dinner there. So they got to have fun with the game. And as long as the game is hard and it's not taught in a way to make it more fun and, and for people to perform better, then probably we'll lose people like we've done in the past because of that. Interesting. No, that, that, that makes sense. Do you, do you talk about that at the PGA teaching seminars about reaching people like that? I, I'm, I'm, I assume you do, right? Yeah. I mean, it's something we talk about. I think like, I'll give you an example that's sort of related. So there was a really good article in golf week about the length of LPGA tour courses and majors. Yeah, and, I, saw that. Yeah. I, I know you saw that. Right. So, um, and it's something I've been complaining about forever that in college golf, for example, and in professional golf and college golf, the golf courses are way too long and, you know, it's not proportional for, uh, the women's game. So even the Gus national women's amateur, it was too long. And the reason why is like, if you think about it, if, if, if you had a par five that a, that, a that a guy couldn't get to, unless they hit a hybrid in or something for their third shot, that par five would be almost 900 yards. Right. That's not going to ever happen in our lifetime. Right but it happens all the time on the LPJ tour and there's par fours where girls are hitting hybrid in for their second shot. Imagine a par four on the PGA tour that was so long that a guy had to hit a hybrid or a wood in for their second shot. That hole would yards, have, right. be 600 yards. Right. And there are guys that would still hit irons into that. Yeah, and right. so the way it kind of works math wise, if you stick with me for a sec, I'll run this through. So, the average guy is hitting the ball somewhere around 290, 295 total distance. LPGA Tour player somewhere around 245. So let's just say a, a nice round number of 50 yards. That's the average. Yeah. Yeah. The average PGA Tour player hits a seven iron in the air 173 yards. The average LPGA Tour player hits at 141 yards. Okay, that's a 32-yard gap. So now on a par four, to be fair, for them to have the exact same club into the green, it would have to be somewhere between 80 and 85 yards shorter for the women right. to play. Par threes would have to be somewhere in the 30 to 35 range. And then the par fives, you add another shot onto that 
45, 50 right. yards and it makes it like 35, 40. So now, you know, we're talking somewhere it's like 120 yards. So the average would be somewhere around 80 or 90 yards per hole. You do the math over 18 holes, right? And you can see that we're, let's say it's 90, you know, so now we're, we're you know, we're pushing 16, 17, 1800 yards shorter. Well, that doesn't happen. You know, there's no, there's no, the girls are playing 63, 6400 on the LPJ tour, right? Guys aren't playing 7,500 yard golf courses for the most part. And they're certainly not doing it in college golf. You know, I mean, if it was a 6,300 yard golf course, it would be 8,100 yards on the PGA tour. I was going to say that's, that's the difference. You, this math is, I'm, I'm very, I, I love this, this, uh, I'm glad you went through all this because I had never really done the math and you're right. It would the equivalent of 6,300 for the women would be 8,100 for the men and right. no one's playing 8,100. Right. No. And so that's patently unfair. Right. So then you have that combined with the fact that the LPGA tour earlier in the year had their event. Right. I don't know if we talked about this last on the pod, but their first event of the year after COVID and they had their, it was like the, it was like a pro-am of sorts. Right. And in the final group, you had Danielle Kang, Jessica Corda and Nellie Corda, the three best American golfers, obviously without Lexi, but three, yeah. the best players in the world, all going toe to toe. And there's a great history because Danielle beat Jessica in the USAM and there was right. some controversy right. and all that. Right. Right. So like, yeah. it was a great day for women's golf. Right. What did we see? We saw Marty Fish playing golf because he was the C-list celebrity, you know, ex-athlete that we wanted to go watch hit shots. It was ridiculous. You know, we had the best possible setting. Imagine we had the best three guys in the world playing at the same time. Do you think they'd cut away to watch Marty Fish hit a shot? It's yeah. asinine. So instead of like jumping on this opportunity and making it fantastic and all, we ended up getting you know, some celebrity Lake Tahoe, uh, pro-am, whatever it was, you know, that we didn't want to see. And they keep LPJ never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity. And what would be great is if like what they're doing on the European tour with the LET is we'd love to see an event that had the PGA tour and the LPJ tour at the same place playing from the same tees or playing from the correct tees at the same correct. time, right. alternating groups coming down the stretch. I mean, the PGA Tour could help bring the LPGA into the limelight a little bit. They could help boost the purses for the LPGA Tour, which would be wonderful. And if you played it at the correct tees, the scores would be equivalent, right? We'd see similar scoring. But these, this is something that, oh, we can't possibly do that. And somebody real smart somewhere is going to come along and sponsor that event. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a huge thing. If it's on a really good golf course, right? with the best 30 guys in the world and the best 30 girls in the world. And they're playing, I mean, that would be fantastic. What an opportunity it would be. And I hope they do because you're talking about momentum and, you know, keeping the game growing. We need women playing golf. You know, we need women out there playing golf. And I, I promise you, if you're listening to this pod right now and you're a 12, 15 handicapper at Brentwood or wherever you are, and you went out and played with a really good, you know, college golfer who happens to be a woman or a professional they would kick your butt so bad it would be shocking what would go on and i'm not saying that you know that from personal experience larry i'm gonna let that go i was waiting for that i you did not disappoint brady i was just waiting for that well played well played. i just think it'd be great i i think if we're going to grow the game 
we've we've got to grow it on both sides of the gender line and I think it'd be awesome to showcase just how good these girls really are. I mean, Lydia Koshat 62 in the final round of a major championship and almost yeah. reeled in an incredibly talented young lady who's hits it really far who and hits the ball, who hits the ball five miles. Yeah. Tavitanikit. She's a great player. I mean, we got a lot of excitement going on in the LPGA tour and nobody knows about it. Right. And as great as it is to have the best national women's am, do we really have to have, the ANA inspiration, first major of the year on the women's tour, the exact same week as the Augusta National Women's Am. It's like, guys, we may want to move that. If, if Augusta is going to have the Women's Am, let's do it a week earlier. What do you think? Right. You know, right. it seems like a smart move at this point. But like I said, the LPGA and smart moves, those, those two things seem to be, you know, mutually exclusive. Well, you know, I, I, I am I'm looking forward to the day when, um, you know, another member of the Riggs family is teeing it up out there and and all these great ideas can can uh, be surfaced out there. But no, I, I really I agree with you. You know, and it's interesting because Mike Whalen, when he retired um, or stepped down, I guess you say retired because now he's with USGA. But when, when he stepped down from the LPJ tour commissioner, there were just all of this like tremendous applause for him. And I'll be honest, that surprised me because it's like, and, and maybe this is sort of, you know, everything's relative because some of his predecessors were, I think, true disasters. And, and he was certainly was not that, but I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, I, the LPGA is not, you know, where you would think it should be um, and could be. And so I am kind of curious as they get new leadership, kind of, you know, what the way forward is going to be for them. So I, because I, I echo your point and the distance point is a, is a great point. That wasn't interesting. That was an eye-opening article for me and, and your math opened my eyes even further. Um, and on that but, last uh, point, just to, just to put a yeah. punctuation on that, if you're yeah. playing a tee right now that you're having to hit a hybrid or a wood into the par fours on more than one hole, and you can never get within sniffing distance of a par five, and par threes, you're pulling out your head covers coming off of a club on multiple occasions. Move up, move yeah. up, move up All to box. Right. Check All your ego at the door and move up. I'll tell you right now, I'll go play with my daughter. And if I hit one on the heel and she hits one high on the toe and, you know, it's into the wind, she could be by me. She's all of 105 pounds. It's pretty embarrassing. But then when you think about it, she's a plus five and I'm not. So that's not that big of a deal, but it just shows like, even with me, when I go play with her, like I might play one tee behind her now, just cause I'm trying to stay in the match. If I could, you know, when I'm healthy again, but there are a lot of times I'd play on the same tee with her and golf's a lot of fun when you play up. I mean, if I'm playing a regular men's tee, having played obviously way back my entire life, it's a lot more fun to get to all the par fives and two. It's more fun to have wedges in your hand. Golf's a lot better, a lot more fun to score. I don't know why people play back. It just never sees it too I totally agree with that. I mean, the USGA, you know, was pushing a tee at forward program a few years ago, and I, I wholeheartedly, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, but um, let's turn a little bit uh, to attention to our event this week. We're Ooh. back at the Masters. Um, uh, seems like, as you said earlier, we were just talking about it, and it was only in November. Um, and DJ, um, you know, just 20 under, that's a low number. And, uh, 
the, the word that I'm hearing uh, is that, um, I don't know if this is gonna be quite, uh, well, the people analogized it to it, to uh, the Wingfoot reaction in 74 to Johnny Meller 63 at um, the hollowed grounds of Oakmont in 73, but everyone's saying that it's gonna be much firmer. Um, and, and Augusta, um, of course, has that sub-air system under the green, so, they can really suck the moisture out and make those greens really hard. And um, and interestingly, I saw Phil. Phil always has to weigh in on everything. You know, Phil mm -hmm. weighed in and sort of says, you know, they've been soft the last ten years. In fact, he said they were the in the in the most in the twenty five percent quartile of the softest greens we play on tour. Um, they're fast, but they're soft. That was interesting. Uh, of course, that's you know, I don't know if that's how accurate that is, but that's Phil's view. But um, are you kind of expecting uh, a lot, um, of maybe just single digits this week under par, or what? Do you have any thoughts on what we're going to see? Well, the weather is going to play a role. I think it's supposed to rain Thursday afternoon or or overnight Thursday, so that's going to change things. I mean, the only thing, the only defense against these guys now is firm greens. You know, wind would be nice too, but if it's windy and it's soft, they can still. They're going to destroy every right. golf course they play. There's absolutely no no question. So they're going to have to have some greens that are bouncy that they can't get to flags. And then even Bobby Jones said, "Whatever thought? Why'd you ever think you had a right to birdie every hole?" Right. So right. <laughs> it, it'd be nice if it was firmer. I think um, you know, I it, it, where's Bryson going to hit some balls out there on some holes? I think that's right. going to be really interesting. Um, Twenty under is not going to happen that was an anomaly because of the time of year that it was played in. Uh, we'll probably, you know, the average winning score is still nine under par. My expectation is that it'll probably be in the, you know, unless there's some weird wind event, it'll probably be in the 11 to 13 range. Used to be eight back in the day. It used to be like, if you can get to eight under, you have a chance to win the masters, but that's changed. I think a little bit now. So if, it just depends on the weather. I think if it gets, if it's super firm and there's no rain, then it'll be a single digit, but it seems to me like, you know, we'll always see a 65 right the first round or somebody's going to go super low and shoot 66 and oh my goodness they're going to tear it apart and then can't do that two days in a row and you know it'll be fun it's it's still as much as it as i hate to say it, it's still my favorite tournament to watch you know that's the one i get the most excited for it's the one i i won't go teach on the sunday morning for you know i want to go watch it so it's going to be fun but I, I i hope it's fast i hope it's fiery I hope that that guys are struggling to make. We want to see birdies. It's Augusta. We want to see birdies and eagles on the back nine. Definitely want to see that. We want guys to be able to make a charge. We don't want it so hard, but I want the front nine to be hard. You know, I want to see the front nine hard. I want number one to be what it is. Number two, usually you can birdie because you bogeyed one. Three, though, somebody will screw up their tournament on three, doing something stupid. You know, which, which is a no-brainer. <laughs> Four is probably as hard a hole as there is on the golf course very yeah. difficult five's hard now six depends on the whole location seven's well, a lot harder right but that upper right t uh that, that you know what is i think it was adam scott who said it's like landing a ball on the hood of a car when they have that pin in the upper right that can be really hard when they do that be hard I mean, you can go a little over that whole location you know seven's what 75 yards longer than it was in 20 years ago oh as at least yeah yeah eights eights always gettable guys are gonna make birdies there and nine has turned into a bit of a pushover now because guys can jack it so far over that tree. And like Phil said, softer so that 
you know, they can get in that middle tier pretty easy. We don't see as many guys rolling down the front of that green as we used to, but after you get past, you know, 12, you, you're hoping that through the first 12 holes, there's some birdies and bogeys and guys that are playing really good or two or three under at that point. But it's, you know, Augusta National is basically 12, 13, 15, and 16, you know, that we want to see, we want to see the tournament, you know, win or lose on those holes. So you'd hate to see it so firm that they can play those holes well, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to go low. I'm 11 or 12. That's my number. What do you think, Larry? You're double digits. I, I think it's going to be single digits. Um, I do. Yeah, I thought, I think I thought the U.S. Be. Open was last year was going to be a lot lower or a lot worse, too, and that wasn't the case. <laughs> well, it was for everyone but Bryson. I mean, you know, if you yeah. look at the rest of the field, it, there was, it was pretty high. And, and, of course, he is, you know, Cobra apparently uh, created some new driver for, for this tournament. It's not often you see somebody go to a major and put it something in play that's brand new. Um, but then again, Bryson's just not uh, the same person as most people out there. So mm -hmm. he's, he's putting in a new driver. Um, who knows where it's going to go? I mean, you, you probably saw the VJ Singh Bryson video where VJ's just, you know, kind of just cannot believe what he's seeing when Bryson is he's standing next to him as Bryson's hitting balls on the range. Um, you like Bryson this week at all, or what do you think? Uh, I think two things going against him, you know, one is he's not as great an iron player as some of the guys in the field. You know, I think DJ has got better control over his irons than Bryson does. He doesn't have a green book. You know, the greens book isn't with him. Thank God. So maybe we won't see him take four minutes on every green, you know, would be nice. Um, so I think those things should be outlawed personally, you know? So, um, I don't know. I, I think he's he's more suited for bomb and gouge than he is for maybe the level of precision that Augusta demands on his second shots. So from that standpoint, I I don't fancy him as much this week. But I, I anybody would be a fool to just say he can't win there, right? I mean, he's, he's clearly capable of doing amazing things. I don't know. It's weird, though. He sucks in match play. He's, there's some weird things about him. You know, they're kind of weird. Well, and, and you mentioned the Green Book's funny that you mentioned it because he has putted poorly consistently at Augusta. And, you know, just to feel, I think people know this, but these Green Books are um, put out by companies that do these laser mappings of greens. So, and I, I mean, down to a minute measurement of exactly the slope everywhere in the green. These machines sit behind it and they kind of just map it. And, and, and so you get, um, you know, just incredible detail on, on the breaks and, um, but they're outlawed Augusta. Um, they're used everywhere else. Um, and you see touring pros. I mean, I, you know, I watch Phil a lot cause I find him entertaining. You never know what he's going to do out there. And he's constantly looking at his book and of course, Bryson, especially. So he has putted poorly there and whether it's because of lack of the uh, books or not, I, who knows, but, um, Hard to, hard to win there if you're not going to be putting well. No, sure. and on that point, you know, the LBGA, basically the USGA outlawed caddies from lining up their players on the LPGA tour, right? This happened a couple of years ago because alignment is a, is a skill that people should demonstrate uh, an ability to do. 
but apparently green reading isn't. I know. It's... So once again, the USGA, I mean, give me a break. Like somebody tell stand behind somebody, yeah, you're lined up good. That's egregious. But looking at a detailed mapping, a laser mapping of the green before you put on it, know that we're good with that one. And if somebody thinks that speeding up play was the reason that they said you can't, you know, you can't line somebody up, what do you think takes a little longer? Line somebody up or somebody going through every nuanced one to two degrees on their green book? I mean, right. just save me the excuses from the USGA. Okay. Have some consistency and some logic and maybe we'll start to believe you. Set up a golf course properly and enough already with the green book. If you're going to outlaw the caddies from lining up players, just outlaw the green book. Let's get it over with. Let them use a laser at this point. Right. If you want to speed up play, this is your big concern. You know, right. Use the laser. I use no, the laser. I, use I, the laser I, if you want to do it. I mean, it's so stupid. It just drives me crazy. But I'll, enough on that. I, 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 I'm sorry I digress, but the USJ drives No, me no, no, no. That's, that's a, I'm glad you did. That's a fair point. I do want to, you know, benching Bryson makes me think of one thing I wanted to get your take on, which is, you know, um, his influence um, over other players and how interesting it was to hear someone like Rory McElroy, who, you know, I would think, you know, has got to be in the top handful of drivers of the golf ball off the tee in the game, um, both just distance and consistency. And, and that he admitted a couple of weeks ago that, you know, um, I mean, he didn't quite put it this way, but I would say that Bryson got into his head. I mean, I think literally what Rory said is, you know, I kind of was trying to do some of that speed training and I think I lost something um, in the process. And I thought that was very interesting. And just before I get your reaction, I just sort of counterposed that to DJ, who then came out and said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm good. And, and, and uh, I'm good with the way I am. And uh, I kind of feel like, you know, when I'm on my game, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't need to worry about any more distance. So, I mean, you know, basically saying, yeah, I saw what Bryce was doing, but that didn't affect me as opposed to Rory. I thought that was so interesting that Rory admitted that. I think DJ is actually a member of Mensa and is a Rhodes Scholar. I think this is all a sham because <laughs> when it comes to like golf stuff, it's really smart, you know? Well, you saw what Butch said about him, right? I huh? mean, the, Butch, Butch said that the other day or a week or two ago that he's, he's and, and, and in terms of golf IQ, I know. he puts him right up there. I And I mean, he, he hits only, like he had a great thing on the range. He was talking about, you know, when do you hit a draw? Uh, never. You know, was there any circumstance where off the tee you're going to hit a draw? Oh, no, I've seen a fade. You know, this is who he is. And he, it works, it works really well for him. He hits it on the fat side of the green of the flag more often than anybody else in the game. He's incredibly intelligent about how he navigates a golf course. Uh, I mean, it, maybe it's all a sham. The, 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 the country kind of good old boy from South, from maybe this is all just a sham. Maybe he's smarter than all of us. Could be. I don't know. He's, number one in the world and there's a lot of guys that aren't that seem to be a lot smarter than he is so when it comes to golf i mean he's kind of being intelligent about how he goes about his business so and it's and it's working quite well i mean he's a tough guy to pick against 
right? What, yeah, what's so what going to be a reason? You, you sort of, what do you think about that? Do you think sort of you could see him? I mean, it'd be kind of interesting to have someone. To, we haven't had that, you know, since Tiger and, and, and you know, only six months ago. Um, and and be kind of interesting. I mean, it's, it is tough to pick against him. Yeah, but give me a good reason, you know. I, I can't come up with one. I, I mean, I think the best – the other reason I wouldn't take Bryson is I don't think he chips and pitches all that well. He's a great, he's a PJ tour player. I'm not saying he's not, I'm just saying yeah, generally relative, speaking, yeah. you know, guys that win at Augusta are pretty phenomenal around the greens, you know, um, you know, Jack was never accused of being the greatest chipper and pitcher of the ball, but Tiger was pretty good. I mean, Jose Maria Lothobla isn't bad around the greens. Won a couple of times. Longer's pretty happy and halfway decent. Seve didn't stink. Phil's pretty good. You know, I think you've got to have chops around the green. You're going to miss greens out there, especially if they get firm. You better have a lot of shots right. around the green or you're going to have trouble getting up and down. Right. So, you know, a good way to think of it is like if you miss a green, it's a half a shot penalty, right? I mean, true average up and downs is a little bit over 50%. So every green you miss, you're half a shot over par. Of course, there are rounds you're going to miss six and and get up and down every one of them, but numbers are numbers. And Augusta is not an easier place to get up and down than, no. <laughs> than the average tour event. So it's the guys that hit a lot of greens and don't three putt tend to have a lot of success at Augusta. And those guys are usually the best ball strikers. But the thing about them is when they do miss the green, they do get up and down and they're having to right. get up and down as well on holes like two and, and holes like eight, you know, where they, they miss the green, but it's par five, you know, so they're doing their third right. shot. So you're figuring that those are two short game shots they're hitting most likely in addition to the greens that they've missed. That's why it becomes such an important metric, you know, for, for guys that are going to win. They, they're generally really good around the greens. So I'm curious to see, you know, if Bryson has those kind of chops because hitting out of the rough at a U.S. Open is not hitting from a low you know, runoff to a pin that's up on top of a shelf that's rolling away from you, at, like it is at Augusta. I mean, that's a completely different universe. Completely different shot. I agree. Yeah. So agree. soft hands and and really deft touch around the green is is a big deal. I think Bryson's putting when he has a green book's good enough for sure. But maybe you know maybe this is a an Achilles heel. You know, we'll see. I I think BJ is the most complete player and probably. I can't see a reason why somebody would say, well, DJ can't win because of X. There's no X there. You know, he's just good everywhere. It's great everywhere. And he seems to be really smart about how he plays his golf. And I think he's, I mean, he is the favorite, in my opinion, defending champion, number one player in the world. What else do you want? Is he, so is he your pick? No, he's not my pick. Oh. But I think if I had to, if I had to pick a guy who I think would have the best chance of winning the most money this week with the best finish, it would be DJ, you know, it'd be DJ, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to go with the number one player defending champion. Of course not. I wouldn't think so. That'd be very oh. unbrady like. Exactly. Unbrady. So are you going first or am I? Here? Um, uh, I will go first. Um, and um, I think we should pick, you know, two picks. I think we should say who, you know, who we think the who who we think will win and who we think a dark horse would be. Okay. Um, I might uh, have to go three I because I, ha I have, a, I have three in my mind. So. Okay. You can do three. That's fine. Thank um, you. Well, I, I'll go a, a favorite, 
uh, somebody who's on the radar and then somebody who's not as much on the radar. How's that? Okay. Okay. That's fine. You know what? I'm going to let you go first then because now, okay. now that those are the rules of the game, I'm going to have to think about what I'm going to do for those three. So you tell me what your three are. Um, if I, because I'm, I'm picking for my reputation here, I'm going to take DJ as one, as the favorite amongst the favorite. So I think, I think he's the guy that makes the most sense. He's not the guy I'm picking for the tournament, but because I get one in that category, I'm taking DJ. I think Cameron Smith is going to win this golf tournament. Really? Yes. That's my pick this week. Um, finished second in November. He's had a really good year. I just think it's time, Larry, for a guy with a mullet to put on the green jacket. I just think that's where we need to be right now in 2021, right? I mean, we've been in a pandemic. I don't see how anything else would make more sense more than a guy with a mullet wearing the green jacket. That just seems super logical to me. So I'm going with Cameron Smith. I think he's got the right personality for it. You know, he's not an uptight guy. He seems to be having a good time. I think he, he can get hot, hot, you know, and start making everything. So he's my guy. And then my my dark horse, dark horse is Joaquin Neiman, who maybe isn't that much of a dark horse, but he's made so many cuts in a row. And I don't think there's anybody less afraid on the golf course than Joaquin Neiman at, at any point in time. Yeah, no, he's a good pick. I agree. So those are my three. I'll stack them up with anyone. That's that's what I'm going with. If, if Let me just, the caveat being that if Spieth wouldn't have won last week, I would be picking up. You know, I'm going to have to, this is bad. I'm going to have to go take a look. You're <laughs> making me reach here, okay? I'm going to go take a look because I feel like I'm going to forget someone. But I will tell you while I'm doing this and calling up my master's app um, that I am going to pick Spieth. Um, and I know, you know, it's been a long time since someone won the week before and then, you know, was able to sort of win again. But I, I, I actually think that's going to, that's what's going to happen. But let me see um, who, uh, so he's kind of my, my main pick. I, well, you got me, you got me thinking with Cameron. Those are really good picks. Um, I, you know, what's so interesting every time I sort of look at this is you realize this is such a small field. It is a small um, field. And, um, you know, um, I know you're going to disagree with this, but that's okay. Um, I keep waiting for Xander Shoffley, hmm. who I think is just such an outstanding player. Um, and he hasn't sort of cashed the, you know, winner's circle as much as I was. But I think his game is at a level that I could sort of see him. So, I mean, maybe he's my, my equivalent of your Neiman. I mean, you know, that's kind of, deep one but the other one i've got to say besides um jordan um is is, is uh jt i mean that that ball striking clinic he put on over the weekend at sawgrass was impressive um and it was impressive i would i would just love because i my image of those two jordan and and him it goes back to that I'm, and i know you've seen it that photograph of the two of them it must have been about 11 or 12 years old at some junior tournament and, um, you know, one of them's eating a hot dog and the other one's sort of looking and they're little kids and they've been, you know, playing together. And, and, and my real dream is I would love to see them in the final twosome. Mm -hmm. 
on Sunday. I think that would be really, really cool. And, and you, you, we, you know, to hark back what you said before about rivalries and stuff like that, I would just, and they're really great friends and everything. And they're both great guys. I 100% agree with what you said earlier. But um, they play, you may remember, they were paired together when the year Patrick Reed won. There were a few groups ahead of him. And that was when, and people tend to forget this. I mean, Jordan was looking at a 62. You know, we're talking about Lydia Coe's 62. I mean, he was nine under standing on the 18th hole. And and we all know how narrow that that uh, alley is to tee off, particularly with the tees these days, how far back it is. And he clipped a branch and ended up making bogey for 64. But and and but he and JT started out the same. And, and he just went, Jordan, those irons just went crazy. And, and you know, had all those birdies and stuff. But um, so we didn't get the rivalry between the two of them. They were paired together that Sunday. But uh, I would love to see them in the final twosome because um, I think that would be pretty cool. Well, I must say, I, I think that's a great couple of guys. But, you know, I'm wearing a UC Irvine shirt, okay? And you're, and you're wearing your Stanford shirt. And the, I run, the funny thing about this is I, I didn't even get into Irvine. You know, I went to a state school. But even with that said... I still know what a dark horse means. And if you think JT and Shoffley. No, he's not my dark horse. He was my, okay, I, put, I put Xander as my you, dark horse. Okay, but Xander is a top 10 player in the world. I mean, you know, way to go out on a limb, Larry, and, you know, stress yourself out here. You got JT, Spieth, and, ooh, my dark horse is Xander. Okay. But that's he's kind of not been part of no, the conversation That's fine. Lately, that's right? fine. If that's what you have to do, you got to go pick out of the top 10 pool that's fine you know i i, I reached down a little lower because you know i have courage and that's okay okay mr you know, stanford this, this is not this is not late breaking news that you have more courage than i do we we know that we've seen that demonstrated time and time again uh, so some would call that being foolhardy but that's okay i'm gonna go with courage no i, th- I think it, i think it's courage but we're it'll be a great tournament i'm sure it's always the most fun tournament to watch and um uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I, as I know you are, it'll be it'll be interesting. It it almost always is. That's the other thing too. It's just, it's rare that there's not something interesting that happens. I mean, even going back to when Seve won, you know, that, that huge amount. You remember on the back nine, he you know he put a ball in the water, and all of a sudden this like ten shot lead was like four shots. I mean, it you know just things happen, and and I, I and I don't even remember who is who said you know the Masters doesn't start till the second nine uh, on Sunday, or the back nine. But it well, I mean, like, how many people in Tiger one just rinsed it on twelve? I mean, it was like unbelievable. It was, it was like a pool party uh, at Bushwood uh, for the caddies. You know, I mean, everybody was jumping in. It was bizarre. Heck, <laughs> they were thinking, like, have they never Horrible. watched a? Have they never watched the Masters? I, I mean, it was it, what was fascinating too. Was there? Um, if you watch the women's amateur over, over on Saturday, one of the girls was really struggling with her irons. Uh, Mahaffey, who's from Arizona State, had an incredible year already on the in, in, in women's call, uh, college call, and she just was not hitting the ball good, and she rinsed it on twelve. But I saw more good tee shots from the women amateurs consistently off that tee, hitting really good shots. It was not a Sunday; the pin was kind of over the bunker, so it wasn't on a Sunday level. Right oh, wasn't on the Sunday right side. No, I didn't it was, watch it, was, it, it was kind of like the Saturday right over the, or the yeah, Friday. Uh, right you know. over the bunker. Right. Yeah. But it was, they had a lot of really good shots in that hole and, and people were missing long left when they didn't hit a good shot. So I don't know. I mean, 
I just don't think you have to know that much about the masters to know that you don't leave it short right on 12. You go ahead and hit it almost in the azaleas if you have to make your bogey. I mean, Jack did an 86. He just was okay. Hit it back there and, you know, slam down the putter, the big response. Slam down on the spike mark that he made. It had to be the spark marks, the spike marks fault. Right. So, but he didn't hit he, in the water, he did totally he? Totally thinks that way. He totally. And Tiger, that way. No, right. I think that one picture was iconic, where Tiger was already on the green. Everybody's hitting their shots from. Hundred percent. He's just standing there, leaning on his putter, yeah, looking yeah, back yeah, at so. people who had to drop the ball and stuff. I, I, totally right. I mean, yeah, that's so that's, was, that's that's vintage Tiger. I agree. I mean, the, the, to me, like the most special place in that property is that tee on twelve, and watching those tee shots on twelve. It's probably one of the greatest holes in golf. And the well, 11th green, say, all yeah, that. That that whole thing, and 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 you know, I I don't know that I've said this on the pod before. I know I've said this to you privately before, but I had the great chance to go once. Hopefully, maybe some other time it will happen. But once five years ago, 2016, to the Masters, and you you know tutored me um, as you do in everything uh, about you know the the um, protocol with chairs. And you, you know, pointed out, and I'll just quickly describe this because for people who haven't had the uh, great fortune of, of going to the Masters, is there's a certain type of folding chair that you need. Um, they, they, nothing with the big arms or anything, stuff that you can sort of doesn't take up too much room. And, and we got ours there. And uh, you pointed out to Larry, when you get on the property, you know, go down as soon as you get onto the 12th hole. And put your chair down there, you know, maybe put a business card if you want in the in the back pocket, but just put it down there and leave it and go, you know, do or go wherever you want and no one will bother it. No one will disturb it. And I said, really? You said, really? And it's exactly what happened. On, I, I went Saturday and Sunday. On Sunday, I did that. And then I went all over the place and I came back. So, so and for, you know, behind that 12th tee, you have a nice view of the 11th green as well as obviously the whole 12th hole and you know I came back and Jordan was of course in the final group um, that was his meltdown year and there was probably four or five groups still coming through and but by the time I got back it was a sea of people and I'm thinking oh my chair where's it gonna be and and there's that one lonely chair that's sitting there amongst all the people no one touched it and I just you know walked onto it and and got to see the last few groups including you know, the sad um, seven that Jordan made there. Um, but um, it is one of the great spots. It is, and, and and it is interesting, right? We've talked about that. That 12th green is angled in a way, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, if you take the club that puts you right over the bunker, that's not going to be enough to go, you know, to the pin. And of course, because it's angled that way to the, you know, uh, to, to uh, up the deeper part up to the right, you know, if you're going to cut it, that's probably going to give you less distance and stuff. So, I mean, it's set up that to tempt you. And and you just got to have the discipline, as you were saying, that Tiger does, that Jack does for sure, both of them, that you just do not look at that flag um, and on that Sunday placement of the right. You go over the bunker, put it in the middle of the green. If you need to, as you know, Jack, you know, hit it over. You know, that's not, you're not going to lose the Masters hitting it over and making four, but you're going to lose it, putting it in the water. And that's what happened. And you think about just a little food for thought. So 12 angled that way, 13 also angled that way a little bit, right? To a certain yeah. degree, you know, the lie is a little bit of a hanging lie, but what's interesting about 
12 and 13 is how many left-handed players have won the U.S. Open? Okay. Um, I'm trying to think who that would be. You're not going to find one, right? Right, because obviously everyone knows Phil has it, but I mean... You're right. I mean, Bob Charles won the British Open. Won the British Open. So I don't. That's a zero, right? Right. So if you think about that, and then you think about Augusta and Mike Weir, and Bubba Watson and Phil Mickelson, and multiple times, and you know, one of the things is twelve and thirteen are such pivotal holes, and they're really, really set up for lefty. Yes, because if you pull it, we know it goes further, and if you hit a little bit of a flare, it goes shorter. The hole's perfectly designed for left-handed play. Perfectly designed. Right. They can take a club to go over the middle of that bunker, and if they hit it and they pull it a little bit, it'll be fine. It'll be right of the bunker, and if it's or Sunday, it's going to be stiff. And if they flare it a little bit, it's going to be on the left side of the green still, and they're going to be putty. Right, because it's shorter and the left side is That's, closer because it's angled that way. That's right. That's and the, the 13th hole is fairly similar as well, where very different story for righty. So... Is there a lefty in the field this week? I think Phil's cooked. I don't think Weir is Weir's playing really well, but I don't think it's his time right now. But there's some other lefty in there that's had some success. Bubba. Oh, Bubba. That's right. So you just you always have to remember about, you know, that 12th hole, that 13th hole, those are two holes that are very much designed to benefit the lefty. You could even argue that number four is as well tee shot on four the part three because long right yeah. is good there short left is okay vice versa for the right-handed player it's not right so it's an interesting no, design point. element of augusta that you don't really you know, think about necessarily but it's true it's true you know it's a great point i mean by far and away the most major the highest winning percentage by lefties and majors is the masters is probably not even close when you add it up no, and it's a small field, like you said. So it's an interesting conundrum that that's happened there. So, well, we'll look forward to it. I mean, Brady, oh, it's always great, great catching up with you. Um, and uh, here's to hopefully a fun uh, Masters and uh, something that'll have some excitement for all of us to watch Sunday afternoon. No doubt. I'm sure uh, we'll have a lot to talk about at uh, at the dam uh, next week. When, 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 when once again, a top hundred teacher will meet his great challenge of trying to improve somebody who apparently um, got dusted by some unknown future LPGA player, as Brady uh, mentioned to all of us. So, uh, and it wasn't, it, I will give you this, it wasn't from a lack of effort on your part. You were trying your butt off. Uh, of, of of that there's no doubt um so brady thank you so much i appreciate it and um we'll look forward to the masters